non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Oh my God. What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations Psalm 22 y'all what's up welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio coming at you guys from Phoenix Arizona this is the gospel heard around the world and uh, we're back now new year exciting stuff happening and I'm um, in the studio right now in our underground bunker, undisclosed location with uh, Luke the Bear. What up? And I'm not sure. I, 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 of course, I'm, I'm the ninja. We got Ginger, King Ginger on the ones and twos. How's it going? What's up? What's up? Getting married in now less than a month. Ginger. 23 days. That's right. And you finally have now, you have your honeymoon planned we out. Have, we have booked the honeymoon. Which is? Uh, it's a cruise from New York City to the Caribbean. Right carnival? On. Was it a carnival? No, it's not. It's an old people cruise. An old people yeah, cruise? What's that mean? Because Chris told me... That Chris, Boca Vista? Chris went on a honeymoon with uh, his his wife on an old people cruise, and he said that if you make friends with all the old people, they will buy you drinks for free. Well, so wise choice. That sounds go. good to me. That's, the, that's a big expense. <laughs> it's expensive, yeah. Yeah, but they charge you for like what? For like 15 everything. 15 bucks for uh, a bottle of water? Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. expensive. That's right. Well, congratulations, man. Exciting. And I, I guess my question is, does Daniel have, has he been assigned a nickname for Apologia? Or at all? Luke, Luke. I call him Danielson a lot, but I haven't. Danielson? That'll work for now. Yeah. And we have uh, Danielson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, um, you've been on before, though. Yeah, I was briefly on an episode where we talked about uh, slavery, I think, and worldview. Okay, good. Is that when I was making you work Sage for free? was on. That episode. That's when I was, was making you work for free. Yeah, that was when I was working for free yeah. building the set. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, welcome, Daniel. Welcome, Luke. Thank you for Marcus. Welcome to our audience and uh, very uh, important show today. We have uh, some important things to talk about on this episode of Apologia Radio. Before we start, I'm going to encourage you guys to go to apologiastudios.com. Go to apologiastudios.com, get every radio and podcast episode, over 200 of them, uh, wide uh, variety of issues, uh, broad spectrum. And um, anything from theology, apologetics, cultural issues, politics, eschatology, with some of the um, uh, greatest theologians, scientists, and scholars in the world today. 
So I encourage you to go check that out first and foremost. Share some episodes. Uh, there's a lot to catch up on. So if you guys are just getting into Apologia Radio, I think you'll really be blessed. And I would start at the bottom. There's some really fun shows uh, down there at the bottom of that. Uh, also, if you go to ApologiaStudios.com, you'll notice that there is all access. With all access, you get every TV show that we've done, every after show. And you get to be a part of Apology Academy where you get to learn from Dr. White, uh, Douglas Wilson, uh, I'm, I'm, I do some stuff in there. You also get John Sampson. You get, um, uh, I th- does uh, Merkel do anything on there? Uh-huh. Or, yeah, I think mm-hmm. we got Merkel in there. We got all kinds of stuff, just great things. And uh, we are going to be producing a new, oh, also the newest one, Nate Wilson. Nate Wilson, yes. excited for you guys to see that. But we also have an academy coming up that we are going to be building, and it's with Dr. Joe Boot. Oh. Um, and we cannot wait for that. Uh, we're going to talk about Mission of God, his book, Mission of God. You should get that. It'll change your whole perspective. He's going to be actually flying here from Canada uh, in actually just a couple weeks here. And he's mm-hmm. going to be spending some time with us. He's going to be on next week, which actually is next week. The season two of next week will be next week, guys. Facebook Live. Uh, what time is that, Marcus? This It'll time of year? It'll be at... Uh Nine? No, it's it's always 10 p.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Yeah, it's always okay. 10 p.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. No Eastern time. next uh, Tuesday. Um, and Here we have a special guest. Special guest. Very oh. special. Yes. Guest. Can't announce it yet. It's the biggest guest we've ever had. Can we say that? We well, can say do you that. think more than Ron Paul? No, I mean, Ron no, Paul. no, no. Okay, no. Ron Paul's Nobody's the biggest guest. bigger than Ron I know, Paul. That's but, right. but it's like up there. Should have been president. Um, <laughs> so can't say his name, but let me just say Marcus is right. This is up there. Very excited about this guest. And uh, so that'll be the first one. Uh, but when, when you guys go to ApologiaStudios.com and you see the All Access there, I encourage you guys to go sign up for All Access. When you do, you partner with Apologia Church and, and you help make everything that we do possible. So if it's even down to the video we just dropped in Kauai with the um, the Jehovah's Witness, which has mm-hmm. now over 100,000 views. Wow. Uh, the millennial um, gal that's in there, they preach the gospel to. All of our content that goes out to spread the gospel, people coming to Christ as a result of listening to it, watching it. Um, when you're all access, you make it all possible. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, you're getting like a Netflix subscription, which I think what we have is, is very valuable and it'll bless your life. But you're also participating with us in ministry. You're a part of this ministry with us. And so we are grateful for all of you guys that have been All Access for a long time. Uh, your your monthly donation to this ministry means so much to us. Every one of you does. And so we're grateful. But when you guys do that, you get all that content. Um, and you guys make this ministry a possibility. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Go check it out. All right. So here's the thing. I'm going to do two things today on this show. We're going to talk about a very important issue with a good friend of ours. And we're going to respond, I guess, to an atheist or agnostic that has, I, I think, done more than one video on me. Yeah, he But has. this particular video, um, he's trying to respond to the video that I did uh, toward Mormons, which, by the way, many Mormons have come to Jesus as yes. a result of listening to that. So thank you for promoting it to this gentleman. Um, but in the video, he tries to flip the script by saying, what if we did this video and Jeff Durbin were Jewish responding to Christians. And so he he does, uh, he he makes a really poor attempt at trying to flip the script and it demonstrates, um, and I'll say this in a classical sense, not in an offensive way, not in swinging at him, but a classical sense, he demonstrates his own ignorance over what Christian theology is, what Christians believe. And so I think normally can't respond to all the stuff that people do in terms of response to, to me or to us. But this one, I think, will be quite educational, instructive, and helpful. 
But before we get to that, very important thing, we gotta talk about this. You guys may have seen recently the video that we put up, and it was with um, my interaction with the uh, Tempe Police Department. Um, so let's just talk about that first to sort of talk, to talk about like the difference in terms of how our friend Tony Miano was handled. Mm. We, we learned, uh, to give you guys a backstory of it, we learned that our good friend Steven, who goes out to the abortion mill here in Tempe, he's been out for much longer than us, saved so many lives. We learned that he was facing criminal charges and that his property was stolen. Right. Um, AKA <clears throat> confiscated, uh, but it was, it was stolen. Uh, because it was he wasn't breaking the law. Police took his stuff. So that's theft. I don't care what kind of uniform you're wearing or what kind of badge you have on. When you take something that doesn't belong to you uh, through tyrannical means, that's called theft. Right. Um, even if you have a nice black robe and a fancy pen and you're sitting in the Capitol building. Anyway, um, so Stephen was facing criminal charges because he was outside the abortion mill in Tempe. And uh, we discovered that the city of Tempe police were harassing um, our missionaries out there doing evangelism and preaching the gospel and ministering to the women. And so we determined that we would go out there and we'd bring the important documentation from the Supreme Court and the Federal Court of Appeals that show that they cannot be engaging in the unconstitutional behavior that they were. So we went out there to minister and understand there's a very real possibility they'll come out and they'll try to stop us. Well, it turns out as we're out there live streaming uh, the ministry as we normally do, they did show up, and you guys noticed that we shut down the city of Tempe Police Department. That was seen by, um, I think it had 3 million total views wow. between all the videos that went up. The city of Tempe got inundated with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of phone calls and complaints. We learned that that officer, that supervisor, actually um, was under investigation mm -hmm. with internal affairs as a result of that. Um, and so that that's what we experienced, and so praise God for his grace that he protected us in that way from their lawlessness. However, it does not always go that way. Our good friend, um, someone I love dearly, Tony Miano, uh, was outside a, of a Planned Parenthood. Uh, Marcus, do you remember that where that was, the city it was? Johnson County. It was in was jo Johnson County. but I don't know Davenport. Is it, is it Davenport? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, it's near there, I think. So okay. he, Tony was out there doing what he normally does. I mean, he was a big inspiration to us. He was in Marcus's film, Babies Are Murdered Here, which you ha if you haven't seen that, please go watch Babies Are Murdered Here. It's free on YouTube. Go to babiesaremurderedhere.com. But Tony was instrumental to us being kicked over the line to begin this ministry. Mm -hmm. So everything that you see from endabortionnow.com is in some respect uh, a result of Tony Miano and his witness and his faithfulness out there. He doesn't want the glory, but it's just the truth. Um, so Tony's outside this Planned Parenthood. Tony gets criminally cited. Tony is facing charges. Tony has to go to court. Well, praise God for Tony in court. He preached the gospel on mm -hmm. the stand. I'm going to play that for you. But yes, he did. What we need you to hear today, and it is essential that you hear it, it is essential that you share this and you shed light on this. Let me do, okay, I know that I'm going really a million miles an hour here, but we're kind of pressed for time here, so I'm in a hurry on our end of this. Um, when we were able to expose the city of Tempe Police Department, it, it's, understand this, it was because we were live streaming it they saw the camera. She was waving at the camera. They understood mm -hmm. that this was being seen. And the city of Tempe putting her under investigation on our side of this uh, situation was as a result of light being shed on this and hundreds of phone calls coming in to complain to the city of Tempe. 
What was the result? Well, I don't know. They may come back to arrest us the next time we go out. But I'll tell you what. We were out there uh, last week. And we had the same amplifier going. We were doing the same mm -hmm. ministry. And they never showed up. Right. And so I don't know what the result is. Maybe they'll come back later and arrest us. But as of now, it looked like, hey, I don't think they're going to do anything. Maybe they will. Uh, so maybe I'll be eating my words. However, when Stephen was out there in Tempe, nobody was out there. We weren't out there with him. We didn't have our live stream going. They, he had no protection. It was all taking place in the dark. So they abused this Christian, and they violated the law and his rights because nobody was watching. Right. No accountability. Well, we were able to bring accountability to the situation. Now, what I'd like you to do is to share this, let the world know about what happened to Tony. Wait until you hear this judge. You were saying something, uh, Daniel, uh, when I was playing some of that. You were talking about like the fact that you have a person who's supposed to be a judge who's standing on the law, but he's, a he's acting in a different way. Just talk about that for a second because I think it's important. Well, a, a judge has a specific purpose, which is to either weigh the evidence and render a verdict without any preconceived notions of guilt or mediate a court case so that a jury can determine that. They aren't there to give an opinion in this case during the court proceedings. That's at the end of the whole trial is when they give an opinion. So for a judge to go up there and start talking about their own personal feelings or what they think the situation might be, making judgments on those things during the court case, that is absolutely opposed to what a judge is supposed to do. They're supposed to weigh the evidence and make a determination at the end of the proceedings, not during. Right now, we know we know that um, we 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 know that, and I, I'm not sure exactly when this took place. That there, neutrality is a myth, of course, and law has to have an ultimate source, and so that must be God. And so our court system now doesn't have that. We've abandoned Jesus. We don't want God's word as the foundation, so we won't stand on His word. So that's the mangled mess that our court system is in, right? So no neutrality. But here's what you need to hear. When he attacks Tony for the gospel, and he does, mm -hmm. and he, 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 he denigrates the gospel itself, which he does in the sentencing, um, he is giving, he's, he's being an activist judge at that point. He's no longer being a judge who judges righteously. He's being an activist. And uh, that's what happened to Tony. Tony was abused. You can help Tony. You can help Tony and help us to help Tony by sharing this episode. Please let the wor world know. If we do not get light on this thing, uh, there is no help we can afford Tony. And I can't talk about, and by the way, I didn't, I didn't mention, guys, uh, don't mention anything that's happening with Tony in the future. Um, that can't be talked about on this show. Um, so just, yeah, just I'm not sure. I didn't get a chance to tell you, Marcus. Just don't talk about what's happening in the future with Tony. Let's talk about the court case itself. But as we do, I want you to hear uh, the section where Tony preaches the gospel on the stands. Let me get to the right section here. This is so beautiful and so important. Um, so around two minutes and 20 seconds, and we'll put the link, by the way, guys, we're going to put the link itself under this particular show so you can hear, uh, it in, in its entirety anyway, mm -hmm. at least his, his portion and the judge's portion. So this is the moment where, uh, Tony is asked about his faith. Deputy Sheriff of the County of Los Angeles. Uh, at that time, were you, uh, appointed or assigned to be a chaplain? Uh, that would be later in my career. The last eight years of my career were spent as both a deputy and a chaplain. Okay. Uh, did you join the sheriff's office to become a chaplain? No, I did not. Why did you become a chaplain? I became a chaplain uh, because during the first year of my law enforcement career, uh, Jesus Christ 
saved me, took my heart of stone, gave me a heart of flesh, brought me to the realization uh, that I had sinned against the Holy God and that uh, I was due the punishment owed me for that sin and that was eternity in hell. Uh, a sergeant on the department explained to me the gospel that 2,000 years ago God the Father sent his son to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man and without sin, born of a virgin as the prophet Isaiah declared more than 700 years before his birth. As God in the flesh, he lived a perfect life in thought, word, and deed, and at a time appointed before the foundation of the world, he voluntarily went to a Roman cross, suffered and died a death he did not deserve, to take upon himself the punishment I rightly deserve for my sins against God, and then forever defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. And it was at hearing that gospel message that I realized that I was not right before God, that his wrath was upon me. And by his grace and his mercy and his love, he caused me to be born again. And he gave me the gifts of repentance and faith in Christ. And so at that point, my entire life changed. I continued to serve as a deputy sheriff. Uh, but my focus uh, on that department was not only enforcing the laws, but to ministering the gospel to my brothers and sisters behind the back. Did you? Boom. That's so awesome. Bold. On the stand. Yeah. On the stand. Marcus, had you heard that yet? I listened to the whole thing. Okay, good, good. Okay, yeah. so we've all, we've all heard it then. So this was a, I think, powerful moment to have somebody who illustrates the gospel with so much clarity and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so much confidence and so much humility in this moment. I think it was just a beautiful moment on the stand. Now, we are going to do a little bit of investigating on this judge himself. Um, but it's clear that this judge has an opposing worldview from ours. Um, at least looking at his Facebook profile, he has um, um, so, some stuff on there about going to a Taoism retreat. Mm -hmm. All right, so I need you to hear uh, the judge during the sentencing. Uh, this is important, and it's a little bit long, but, and we'll probably cut in here. You guys let me know if you want me to stop at any point. Um, but you need to hear this really ju judicial activism is really what it is yeah uh where during the sentencing he denigrates the gospel um he calls the gospel itself offensive and uh, what tony ended up getting and what he is still facing right now is uh 30 days suspended jail sentence and so the judge is waffling in here back and forth between like i don't know quite what i'm going to do i kind of want to punish you i want you to sort of feel the pain here but um you know he ends up giving him a 30 day suspended sentence and what that, that means is, is that Tony is facing 30 days in jail. It's suspended. Um, and here's how it's suspended. It's suspended and it's on hold over his head like a hammer ready to drop. Right. Where if Tony gets into any trouble with the law, uh, I guess maybe a traffic ticket, traffic violation. He said that those wouldn't apply. Those wouldn't apply? No, okay, he good. said at the very end. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. So any kind of trouble with the law. But this is the significant portion. The judge said that Tony is not to go to any Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And he said, and when I say any, I don't mean just this one locally. Right. Any Planned Parenthood. Right. So if Tony goes to any Planned Parenthood, apparently <laughs> in the country, um, he's going to serve yeah. the 30 days in mm -hmm. jail. And so you just got to hear it. So I'm going to play it. It might cut in a little bit, but here you go. And certainly those things would argue for deferred judgment. But 
I would think as a officer, former officer of the law, having been warned that your activity was disruptive, causing distress to people inside Planned Parenthood, having at one point sworn to uphold the law and having, you know, been told that and, you know, having concern for others as I think a minister would, that the last thing you would do is go back and not just go back, but is go back and continue to talk in a volume loud enough to cause distress to the people inside. And, you know, you weren't just standing there, I think, with a placard. You were standing there peering over the bushes, doing it in such a way that you can direct your words towards the people in Planned Parenthood, even so far as to try and talk people into not going in and telling them that they should turn their lives over to Christ. Um, <laughs> the tragedy of that. <laughs> How dare you tell people to turn their lives over to well, Christ? I know the definition of distress is so completely subjective. I and mean, he even says earlier... He's like, I know you didn't use any like profanities or call anybody names, but you called them sinners. That's just and I as think bad. People yeah. would think that's worse. Yeah, I think yeah, you're gonna yeah. hear that just yeah. coming up here next. So what's important here is that we talk about in terms of God's law, and God's law, of course, trumps everything. And that's what the apostles said in Acts 529, uh, that moment where the apostles are being told the same thing. Uh, 2,000 years ago, you're not to speak anymore in this name. You're causing distress, you're trying to bring his blood upon us. And so don't do it anymore, right? Didn't we tell you to stop? Didn't we tell you to stop preaching in this name? And, of course, Peter's response is, is just as valid today as it was then and just as important to maintain. He says we must obey God rather than men. So that was the apostolic witness there is that when we're facing criminal charges, even in a court proceeding and we're given a civil command to no longer preach the gospel, God's law trumps all of that. And so from a position of, of a biblical position, we must obey God rather than men. However, I'll say one more thing here and go to Daniel. The important thing in terms of like current laws and statutes, um, we have freedom of speech, right? Right. And so the law says, I have, I have the right, the freedom to say what I want mm -hmm. in, in, in terms of this moment, I can preach the gospel and I can, yes, I can try to talk people out of going in. I can try to talk people out of uh, supporting a business. I can stand outside of Walmart on a public sidewalk and, I, and say, hey, I don't think you should go and actually frequent this, this establishment. I don't think you should give them your business. That's freedom of speech. But there are some court cases, Federal Court of Appeals, and in particular, Supreme Court case called Saya versus New York that has direct uh, effect on this particular issue. There has already been ruled on. You can't say that your speech is prohibited because it distresses another human right. being. That's already been ruled on. You can't say you have freedom of speech rights and then prohibit that freedom of speech by saying, well, what you're saying is distressing to other people. 
It's already been ruled on. Here's what's important to note about what the federal courts have already ruled on in terms of in favor for the law itself is as free speech. You cannot shut down my speech because the person who's hearing it does not want to hear it. And you can't shut down my freedom of speech because the person hearing it does not agree with my message. And so in terms of what is constitutional freedom of speech, Tony was well within his rights. This judge is being an activist judge. He doesn't love, love Christ or want Christ or the gospel. He obviously doesn't want Tony out there trying to stop women to get an abortion. And you're going to hear that in a moment, him favoring Planned Parenthood. But this has already been ruled on. Tony was well within the guidelines of the law, God's law, and current law of the land. It's just there's so many absurdities, it's hard to comment on all of them. But I think like two things. One is disruptive speech. Well, guess what? Nancy Pelosi really has some disruptive speech that I that it, it bothers me. Right. It offends me. I yes. don't want her to talk. She better not ever talk in public again. Grandma Google. If I have to hear it. <laughs> Right. And that's the, that's the level where, like, if you're consistent with this, <laughs> right. you know talk that could ever, anyone could ever waffle on, which is everything. Yeah. It's like if I say there's air out there that I breathe, there's crazy people out there who will say, no, there's no air out there. You don't breathe, breathe air. Mm-hmm. And so right. it just, it's absurd. Right. There's no consistency. There's nothing. Right. Another thing which I thought was hilarious was the idea that you would stop a, a dedicated Christian from speaking disruptively. Like, have do you know anything about history, sir? Think about like the Anglicans, early Anglicans, like Thomas Cranmer, who's standing up against the, the might of the English government. And they're, he's facing death. His friends have already died. Latimer and Ridley, they've been burned at the stake, right? So here's Cranmer, and he made the mistake of recanting. And they say, okay, you have to do one more thing where you go up in front of everybody and recant. And he goes up there and he says, I was wrong. I don't recant. This is the truth. Facing death by burning at the stake. Like what's 30 days suspended, you know, sentence compared to burning at the stake? It's nothing. Right. So the idea that you're going right. to stop a Christian from speaking out the truth of the gospel, it's just absurd. It is. It, yeah. And I'm sure that uh, the uh, colonists, I'm sure that I'm sure that their speech against the king was awfully distressing to him <laughs> right. and right. to the British, to the Redcoats. It, it's right? disruptive to throw tea into the, uh, the Boston Harbor too, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> well, here's the... Uh... The first, uh, the first Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And it doesn't say anything about distress. Right. And what's important about this is, <laughs> is no when, I, yeah. when I make the point that the Constitution says what it says, like that's based off of biblical, a biblical worldview. Yeah, exactly. So what that says there is based upon the biblical worldview. So praise God for the Christian worldview and the Christians who established this country. So that's A. But the Constitution says freedom of speech, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that courts can't make laws. So I'm not trying to give the federal courts the ability to create a law here. What I'm saying is that the federal courts have already ruled, given an opinion of the current law. They didn't create new law. They pointed to the law and said, this is the law. And your disruptive, um, your, your laws in the city about um, disruptive, disrupting the peace and disturbing the peace, those can't be held onto in any kind of meaningful way because of the law that still stands. Right. So we're not saying the federal courts and Supreme Court creates law. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that those courts actually did their duty by pointing to the law in the books and saying, no, that needs to be upheld. I think the best example for that to illustrate that is like the Miranda case, famous, famous Supreme Court case. 
And people call them Miranda rights. So they're not rights that you got because the Supreme Court ruled on that Miranda case. It's a right that you have in the Constitution right. that the Miranda case illustrates. Yes. So these, this mm. is not a new law that happens. You already have those rights. Right, right. And this activist judge is overruling the law of the land. And so I do pray for the future, Tony, in this case and what may <clears throat> come from it. But here's some more. And you know, I can appreciate, you know, your attorney's argument that, you know, you didn't use any kind of swear words, you didn't, you know, call anybody, you know, use abusive epithets and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that. You know, people that are going into Planned Parenthood, okay, you don't have to drop an F-bomb or you don't have to all the mother curse words as we would know about it. Um, but essentially telling them that they're sinners and that they should seek forgiveness for their sins, uh, I could certainly see where that would be equally as offensive to people. <laughs> I have to respect Tony for not just breaking out in laughter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right. During that. Right. So. Um, you know, <clears throat> so uh, now here's the thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm laughing about it because I'm in awe of, of a judge saying it. So I don't want you to get the wrong impression that I'm being playful or immature in terms of laughing. I'm in awe that this is happening in a court. But, of course, we already knew that the world would say this about our message. Because, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. And we preach Christ crucified as stumbling block to Jews and folly. Folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Of course, the Bible teaches us um, in a number of places that this is just pure folly to the world, and it's offensive to the world. This man finds the message of the cross offensive. And so based upon that, he sees Tony's speech as worthy to be punished because he's outside of Planned Parenthood, a place that is murdering children. It is tearing their bodies to pieces. It is gutting a little boy, gutting a little girl, decapitating a child, dismembering a child. He sees Tony telling those people that are going in, you're murdering your child, you're a sinner against God. You need to be forgiven. He sees that as offensive, as offensive as cussing them out. And that's where we're at. Mm. That's what happened to Tony. So a little bit more, and then we'll take a break. And I'm not sure I put a whole lot of... I'm not sure I distinguish the two necessarily. You know, I, I think some people would rather be called certain curse words than be told that they're a sinner that they should be forgiveness for whatever they're doing. That's true. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's the whole point. No one's Woo! arguing with you. Yeah. <laughs> Romans 1. There you go. And, and so my question is, is this right? Just behavior from a judge in a courtroom? Did we mention this? I don't think we mentioned the lawyer's name. Uh, the judge's name. The judge. No, go ahead. Do you have that? Yeah, Hold it's up there? Judge Edward Leff. L-E-F-F. Of uh, the Johnson County Court District. And so... Have it a left. 
So what? What? Yeah, having a laugh. All right. What? What I'd encourage you guys to do is is find a way to tag this um, activist judge and call him to be obedient to the law itself and to honor his oath to the Constitution and uh, to just to 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 engage justly as a judge. Uh, this is just pure judicial tyranny. It is pure hatred towards the gospel and the Christian. This phone number is on the website. Is it? Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that all of that goes into the post itself. For so, sure. A little bit more. There's people calling in there for medical care. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. And there it is. So there it is. So when I say he's an activist judge, you understand that I'm not trying to be playful or just uh, shock value. I'm not going for that. When I say activist judge, I mean activist judge. He hates the biblical worldview. He's opposed to the biblical worldview, the message of Christianity. And so he's ruling, saying your disruptive words, which is the gospel itself, is what needs to be punished. So 30 days in jail for preaching the gospel. And when he says Planned Parenthood is engaging in health care, he's telling you what he believes about the issue of abortion. Yeah. There's well, no neutrality. <laughs> earlier, too, you know, he's, he says this is... Doesn't sound like a very ministerial thing to do. It's like uh, you would say that if you didn't think that there's babies being murdered inside. That's right. Because uh, if you if you did think that, then that would absolutely be a very ministerial thing to do because he's obeying scripture. It's also a judge telling a Christian what they should believe. They're right. saying that's not very ministerial. That's something I faced when I was in the military: is people thinking they knew what Christianity was and then telling me that. And then saying, well, you can do this. Well, no, I can't. I know what the Bible says, and it says to preserve life. Right. So I'm going to try to preserve life. Right. This judge is in court exercising his freedom of speech, which he's allowed to do mm. outside of the context of being a judge, I think would be more proper. Mm. But he has a duty at that point. He has a duty. So what he should be ruling on here. First of all, it's, there's no basis for this. Constitution says what it says. Tony was well within his rights. But what he should be ruling on is if the city has a code that would be immediately smashed by the Supreme Court and Federal Court of Appeals ruling, by the way. But he should be ruling based upon the city code saying disruptive. And he has to demonstrate disruption. He has to dis demonstrate disturbing the peace in something, some other way than his own personal opinion about abortion or the gospel. You see, that's what has to be done because Tony has a right to say what he wants to say. And what this judge can't do is say, well, people disagree with your message, so therefore that's disruptive. Because at that point, he's making a ruling on which worldview should reign supreme. Mm -hmm. That's what he's doing. And so here's a little more. I understand you're there and you're protesting abortion and you're, you've got the right to say what you want and do that. Okay, so let's hang there but, for a second. Does he? You have the right to say what you want and do that. Let me say it again. You have the right to say what you want. Thank you, Your Honor. So that's it? But you also, it can go too far, and that's what the disorderly conduct statute does that. And you can't cause distress. I mean, it's not just people going in there for abortion. They provide other health care to people, and those people should be able to go in there and and not be caused unreasonable distress. But you see, if you were standing outside of Auschwitz mm. and you were protesting the murder of Jews going on, well, do you understand that there was more going on there than just gassing of Jews? Mm. I mean, they provide clothing and soup mm. and jobs, 
all kinds of work and labor for these Jews. I mean, there's, I mean, they provide beds and shelter. I mean, there's more happening in Auschwitz mm. than, than just gassing of Jews. Mm. I mean, you can't it, protest that. It was a socialist utopia. It, it really was. <laughs> it really was. And so, so obviously we can go on for days with this, but I just wanted you guys to be able to hear at least a, a little bit of that to understand the importance of supporting Tony, being a part of what is going on with this. Listen, if we don't stand up for the truth, then darkness just overwhelms everything. Jesus called us salt and light. And so we're to be the preservative, we're to be the light that actually scatters darkness. And if we're not salt, then we're only worthy of being trampled underfoot by men, which is what's taking place all around us. And the call to be light is to shine. And so when you see judicial tyranny like this, when you see lawlessness reigning in our court system, if we don't speak against it, it continues to reign supreme. People continue to get treated unjustly. Our brother in Christ, Tony, is facing just such an oppressive thing. And I believe that it's our duty, if we love our brother, to do what we can to stand alongside him and to stand up for him. So utilize the power of the gift and the gift of social media. Share this show across your social media. Tell people to listen to it, to get informed on what's going on with Tony Miano. Tell him to support him. Um, let's make sure that we stand alongside our brother as he suffers for the cause of the gospel, mm -hmm. which is exactly what's going mm -hmm. on here. I mean, this is specific persecution against the gospel itself. So be right back, guys. Thank you for listening to Apologia Radio. Don't forget to go to ApologiaStudios.com. Get hooked up with all access, guys. Partner with us in this ministry with Daniel, Son, the Bear, and King Ginger. We'll be right back. This is the Chocolate Knox. If you love that wonderful sensation of chewing glass... This is the show for you. <laughs> Cross Politic is a weekly show and podcast that mixes the taboo formula of faith, culture, and politics, proclaiming the Lordship of Christ in every corner of our culture. Hallelujah. Gabriel Wrench is a deacon from Texas, and he wears overalls. One time. <laughs> Chocolate Knox, a.k.a. David Shannon, he's a movie maker from Minnesota. Action! I'm Toby Sumter, pastor here in Moscow, Idaho, and... I used to live in Alaska. Did you know that? No. no. We've interviewed everyone from Alveda King to Ted Cruz to Steve Dace to Walter Williams. And we invite you to join us here at Cross Politic as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast all to the glory of God. CrossPolitik.com. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world, not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu forward slash explore welcome back everybody to apologia tv my name is jeff durbin they call me the ninja and that is luke the bear what up and over there is zach attack hey now i guess the director of communications for endabortionnow.com uh very important show we're doing here on apologia tv if you guys don't know who we are you guys can get more at ApologiaStudios.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, Studios.com. You can get over 200 radio and podcast episodes 
uh, all kinds of important um, uh, topics, uh, theological, apologetics, eschatology, political, um, all kinds of stuff with just a broad uh, spectrum of different uh, guests, uh, scholars, theologians, scientists, great stuff. Go to ApologiaStudios.com to get it. Also, you can go to ApologiaStudios.com and you can get all access where you make all of our content possible and you get our TV show, our after show, and Apology Academy. You can learn from theologians like Douglas Wilson, Dr. James White, John Sampson. Uh, we also have some new stuff with Nate Wilson, Andy Wilson, our favorite Christian author, and um, some important stuff coming soon uh, to bless you guys from Dr. Joe Boot. Very important stuff and uh, encourage you guys to go there, get all access, get the content, and help make the, uh, this content possible. Uh, so this particular show is very important. And you might be noticing that you're watching this right now on Facebook or YouTube. It's not just up on our All Access or on the NRB Network because uh, we think it's very, very important. Mm. It's vitally important that the world hears about what's happening uh, with our brother and our friend, uh, Tony Miano. Some of you guys know Tony from uh, past broadcasts that we've done. Uh, Tony was instrumental in helping us as a church uh, to see the need to go and to proclaim the gospel in the area of abortion and to work to rescue children outside of the abortion mills. You may have seen Tony uh, in uh, our producer, Marcus Pittman's film, Babies Are Murdered Here. If you haven't seen Babies Are Murdered Here yet, make sure you, make sure you guys do so. You can see it on YouTube completely for free, Babies Are Murdered Here. You can also go to babiesaremurderedhere.com. So Tony uh, was instrumental in giving us a lot of inspiration and encouragement to go out ourselves. So when you see endabortionnow.com, that whole effort... Uh, in, in many ways was um, through God's grace and power in Tony's life mm. and helping us to see the need for this kind of ministry. So uh, thousands of children at this point have been saved through the work um, of Apologia Church and our ministry and it going out across to other local churches. Um, uh, but a lot of that has to do with just the consistent witness of other Christians. Mm. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and bring Tony on so you guys get a chance to say uh, hello to him and uh, get to know him. Tony, welcome to the broadcast, brother. Pastor Jeff, thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. So uh, just a quick update on where you're at. You moved from California to Iowa. Tell us about that. I did, yeah. It's been now about 14 months. Uh, packed up the family, uh, left uh, Beverly Hills. No. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> and uh, moved out here to the uh, eastern part of Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, along the Mississippi. The reason for our move is one of uh, our supporting churches, Grace Fellowship Church here in Davenport, asked us to come out and be part of the church family and continue the work out here. So here we are. Praise God. All right. You're in Iowa. So it, just the question, obviously, how are you adjusting to all the cold weather now? Well, I'm adjusting better than uh, my ladies. My ladies are all California born. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania. Uh, so I spent the first 10 of my 53 years out there. So uh, I love the weather. We're expecting a snowstorm today mm -hmm. and this evening up to about eight inches of snow. And Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So um, I am, though, feeling my age when it comes to shoveling my driveway and sidewalks. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Tony, let's just get right into it. And we have a lot to cover today in the show. We're going to be playing for you guys um, some audio uh, available to the public uh, from Tony's recent trial. Uh, he faced criminal charges and was sentenced for preaching the gospel outside of a Planned Parenthood in Davenport. Uh, that's right, Tony, right? It was in Davenport. Actually, it was Iowa City. Iowa City, okay. So yeah, he was about 50 miles west of us. Okay, so 50 miles from where you're at. And uh, uh, Tony, again, was facing criminal charges and he was ultimately arrested. He was given a 30-day mm -hmm. suspended jail sentence. 
Uh, we want you guys to hear uh, what the judge said to Tony, and we need you. We really, really need you to help us. Please help us. Even as you're watching this now, go ahead and hit that like and share button because we need to make sure that the world hears about what happened to Tony and light can be shed on this so that we can stop this kind of judicial tyranny in the future. Uh, it's very important that you help us. And so, Tony, why don't you bring us into the conversation? What were you doing and what happened? Sure. Uh, the date was May 30th of last year. It was a Tuesday. Uh, I was outside of the Planned Parenthood in Iowa City with one of the elders of my church, Elder Nick Rowland. Um, we try to get out there most Tuesdays. We stand on a public sidewalk about 60 feet from the front door. The uh, entire property is enclosed in a wooden fence, but for the driveway. So we stand at the driveway on a public sidewalk, um, calling out to people who are coming in and out of the abortuary, uh, pleading with them not to murder their children, offering them every form of help conceivable, uh, financial, housing, medical um, I offer the women the spare bedroom and, and bathroom in my home. Uh, we hold signs of various kinds, including we will adopt your baby. Um, our church uh, is uh, finds adoption a very important aspect of our church life. We have about a dozen children, adopted children in our church. And uh, we do that every Tuesday. Uh, most Tuesdays, we have some kind of interaction with uh, Iowa City Police Department. Uh, somebody will call and the police department will come um, every time but this one occasion. Uh, we uh, were left alone to do exactly what we were doing. Uh, on this particular day, I was standing on a, a small step stool so I could see over the fence uh, on a public sidewalk, again, about 60 feet from the front door. Uh, was not using amplification, and we never have at that particular location. And uh, I began to read scripture. Um, I got uh, through about seven verses, seven passages of scripture, uh, when Officer Jeffrey Schmidt of the uh, Iowa City Police Department arrived. Um, I stepped down from the stool to talk to him. Uh, he spoke briefly with Michael Bailey, the head of security for Planned Parenthood of the Heartland, which covers a number of uh, Planned Parenthoods in uh, Iowa and I believe Nebraska as well. And uh, he then it issued me a citation. Um, and arrested me there, basically, a field arrest, which meant I was issued a citation, but was not actually taken into custody at that time. Okay. Uh, the citation was for disorderly conduct, loud and raucous noise, likely to cause alarm or distress to people inside mm -hmm. of a public building. Mm -hmm. uh, shortly thereafter, I went to court and uh, entered a plea of not guilty, um, Jack Edwards, uh, an attorney in Wyoming, saw the video of my arrest and reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like to offer you my services for your criminal trial pro bono. And, uh, and so we went to trial. Okay, hang uh, there, Tony. I want to hear the rest here. Very important stuff. Obviously, we need you guys to get the word out on this. You're not going to believe what was actually said during the sentencing itself. So stay with us, guys. Let everybody know about what's going on with Tony. Let's shed some light on a very, very dark thing. Be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to Apologia TV. I'm Jeff the Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. And that is Zach Conover, endabortionnow.com, director of communications. Guys, if you haven't done so yet, go to endabortionnow.com. Get your church, your local church, signed mm. up. Get all the free resources and the free training to be involved 
in this effort to bring the gospel into collision with the culture of abortion. Save lives, bring the gospel, and uh, let's uh, trust God to uh, allow the church to truly be salt and light in this area. We're on right now with our good friend and our brother in Christ, um, uh, Tony Miano. Uh, we've known Tony for a, a long time. We've done uh, some stuff together, uh, preached at, uh, actually preached at the same conference mm-hmm. together. I uh, love Tony a bunch. Uh, very, very saddened to hear about um, how he was uh, abused. Uh, from my perspective, how he was abused in a court of law. Uh, Tony was um, arrested and uh, cited, criminal, criminally cited outside of a an abortion um, mill in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, Tony's been uh, describing to us what took place. So, Tony, you were given the citation. You were given a criminal citation. You were not using amplification, although um, we use amplification, and mm-hmm. it's uh, allowed uh, under law. Mm-hmm. There are Supreme Court cases and Federal Court of Appeals cases on that particular issue. But bring us more into what took place after that. Sure. On uh, January 9th of this year, I stood trial in uh, Johnson County, uh, which is where Iowa City is located, uh, because it was referred to as a simple misdemeanor. It was a jury of six instead of the standard jury of 12. Uh, The prosecution uh, called three witnesses, the two responding officers, and Michael Bailey, the security guard for Planned Parenthood. Uh, The prosecution opened with their opening argument, trying to emphasize that I was arrested not for what I said, but how I said it. Mm. Now, the interesting thing about all that, as we go through this, is that it will soon become apparent that it was the content of my speech. That's right. And not my volume that ultimately led to the situation. Um, The part of the law in Iowa is that um, causing uh, distress is part of this disorderly conduct statute. The, the people brought forward the case through Michael Bailey, the security guard. Um, his testimony alone, they never identified anyone that was actually under distress. No one who was distressed testified. Uh, the uh, judge allowed the security guard to testify on behalf of unknown people inside right. the wow. mortuary. And... Uh, Uh, The security guard said that he knew people were distressed because a couple of people were talking about what I was doing and some people were shuffling in their seat. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I just can't believe that. Okay. Go on. Once the, for the sake of time, once the people rested, um, we broke for lunch. Uh, My attorneys and I discussed whether or not I should testify. Um, I understood that this was really going to be my only opportunity to proclaim the gospel to those in the courtroom, uh, so I said I wanted to testify, and uh, and that's what I did. And my attorney asked me, Tony, uh, why were you raising your voice? And I said because I wanted people inside the building to hear me. Hmm. Right. And, uh, Simple enough. And and he asked, were you trying to cause anyone distress? I said no. I I I'm trying to bring hope to these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prosecution asked me no questions. And uh, the jury deliberated for about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the foreman of the jury turned out to be a friend of one of the prosecutors. Mm. And uh, in short order, I was found guilty. Um, I waived uh, I waived any kind of extension of time for my sentencing. I wanted to be sentenced then and there. And Judge Edward Leff uh, sentenced me, as you said, to uh, 30 days county jail suspended sentence. 
He told me he wanted to send me, um, he, he was tempted to send me to jail for a few nights uh, to teach me a lesson mm. and then spend the rest of the sentence. Um, and as you will hear in the audio, he equated the proclamation of the gospel with cussing at people. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. he did. It was a powerful moment. I need you to hear it. I know we're going fast today, but I want you to hear portions of the trial itself. I'm going to play you just what we were describing there, what Tony was describing, his opportunity to come up. By the way, you are not required to come up and uh, to testify uh, part of biblical law, which provided the basis of the case law in our, in our own nation, uh, was that you don't have to be a witness against yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, if right. somebody has evidence of a crime against you, then um, they have to prove that case. You don't have to help them along the way. One thing I didn't mention, um, I'm assuming many of you guys know, Tony, if you don't, Tony actually was in law enforcement for a long time and actually retired uh, from law enforcement. So he knows the law well. He mm-hmm. is very strict and operates within the guidelines himself of the law. But this is Tony uh, taking the opportunity to bring the gospel. I just want you to hear that moment of the trial. Uh, at that time, were you uh, appointed or assigned to be a chaplain? Uh, that would be later in my career. The last eight years of my career were spent as both a deputy and a chaplain. Okay. Uh, did you join the sheriff's office to become a chaplain? No, I did not. Why did you become a chaplain? I became a chaplain uh, because during the first year of my law enforcement career, um, Jesus Christ saved me, took my heart of stone, gave me a heart of flesh, brought me to the realization uh, that I had sinned against the Holy God and that uh, I was due the punishment owed me for that sin and that was eternity in hell. Uh, a sergeant on the department explained to me the gospel that 2,000 years ago God the Father sent His Son to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man and without sin, born of a virgin as the prophet Isaiah declared more than 700 years before His birth. As God in the flesh, he lived a perfect life and thought were in need. And at a time appointed before the foundation of the world, he voluntarily went to a Roman cross, suffered and died a death he did not deserve, to take upon himself the punishment I rightly deserve for my sins against God, and then forever defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. And it was at hearing that gospel message that I realized that I was not right before God, that his wrath was upon me. And by his grace and his mercy and his love, he caused me to be born again. And he gave me the gifts of repentance and faith in Christ. And so at that point, my entire life changed. I continued to serve as a deputy sheriff. Uh, But my focus uh, on that department was not only enforcing the laws, but to ministering the gospel to my brothers and sisters behind the back. So powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise, awesome. God, praise God for that moment and praise God uh, for giving you the grace and the boldness and the power in that moment to, to, to clearly communicate the message of the cross and forgiveness uh, as a matter of public record now. So yeah. praise God for that. Awesome. Uh, Tony, one of the things that was brought up, um, I think, during this moment of cross-examination with your attorney was the fact that you, of course, were in law enforcement and you were a chaplain as well, that you have hundreds of hours of training um, in, in uh, the area of theology and ministering. You um, have written Christian literature. You worked for Living Waters Ministry. The fact that you are a minister of the gospel, that was a part of the trial. You are a minister of the gospel going out and doing your duty as a Christian, uh, exercising your freedom of religion and freedom of speech outside of a 
an abortion mill, and uh, that didn't really seem to have any effect. Uh, <laughs> no, in, in fact, Pastor, uh, uh, I think in a sense, in a in a temporal way, I think that pretty much sealed my fate uh, in mm. in this trial. Um, but um, the people inside that courtroom needed to hear the gospel. Mm. That's right. That's right. So I, I, we have about a minute left here in this segment. I'm going to, when we come back from this break, I'm going to play for you all uh, clips from the sentencing itself. I, I will tell you uh, some of the stuff is just shocking to hear. Yeah. And what I'd like to do is, is really just take this last minute that I have with you before our commercial break and just truly, really encourage you to please share this particular episode. I, I know it's easy to take it in yourself and just sort of pass by it, but it, it's vitally important to understand that with the gift of media that God has given to us today and social, social media in particular, the power of the share button, I, I'll just illustrate it by, by way of this example. Um, we were uh, we faced a difficult moment with Tempe uh, police uh, here at mm -hmm. the abortion mill ourselves. We were live streaming it. We knew they were harassing us. One of our brothers was uh, criminally cited. Uh, when we were there, we were live streaming. It was seen by over 3 million people, and the city of Tempe Police Department received hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of complaints <laughs> because of their lawless activity. And so we were protected because the world knew. Um, and I want to ask you to please help Brother yes. Tony by letting the world know what he's going through and what has happened. So be right back, guys. Hit that share button. Going to hear more from the trial after these messages. Welcome back, everybody, to Apologia TV. I'm Jeff. They call me the ninja. That's Luke the Bear. And that's, Z I almost said, that's Joy the Girl. Sorry. <laughs> that's Zach. Right? Communications with endabortionnow.com. Make sure you guys go to endabortionnow.com and get uh, started. Also, just a, quick, just a quick note here. Please pray for uh, the three of us. Uh, um, we're going to Ireland uh, to try to uh, be an encouragement and a help to the church in Ireland. Speaking of abortion, mm -hmm. Ireland's one of the last Christian nations, historically Christian nations, that still criminalizes abortion, yep. both in the North and the South. Uh, the South really facing uh, a beast with the uh, repeal of the Eighth Amendment as a real possibility uh, coming up here very, very soon. So we're going into Ireland to bring the message uh, and help of endabortionnow.com, a ministry of Apologia Church, to try to encourage the church there to bring the gospel into collision with that culture and to hopefully avoid uh, the uh, blood guiltiness mm. that we have now in our nation yep. uh, in uh, mm. Ireland. And so uh, here we go. We are now going to talk about the portion of the trial where Tony gets sentenced. I'm going to play the audio for you. Uh, before I do, Tony, anything you want to say in particular about this portion, the sentencing itself, that we should know? Well, um, I was given an opportunity, I was offered the opportunity to address the judge. And uh, I weighed that with my attorneys. Uh, my goal was to proclaim the gospel to everyone in the courtroom. The Lord gave me the opportunity to, to do that. And so at that point, I really had uh, nothing else to say. But as the judge started uh, the sentencing, uh, his sentencing speech, it took, it took all the patience the Holy Spirit could give me not to interrupt the judge like every 30, 45 seconds with the words that were coming out of his mouth. And it was, it's important to note that, as, as I, I'm sure you're going to play some clips that uh, will drive this home, it was the judge's sentencing speech that filled me with the most joy because he made it abundantly clear mm. 
that this was not about loud noise, that this, in a sense, wasn't even about abortion. It was about the proclamation of the gospel and how much the people of Iowa City, uh, at least some of them, hate Christ and his gospel. Mm. That's right. Mm. This is genuinely, truly, without question, persecution for oh, yeah. the message of the cross. Here we go. And certainly those things would argue for deferred judgment. But I would think as a officer, former officer of the law, having been warned that your activity was disruptive, causing distress to people inside Planned Parenthood, having at one point sworn to uphold the law and having, you know, been told that and, you know, having concern for others as I think a minister would. I want to pause there for a moment just to say, yeah. um, Tony was operating within the law. First mm -hmm. and foremost, as we said on our radio program, having this same discussion, Acts 529 shows, the apost 529 shows the apostolic witness in regards to a situation like this. When the civil realm is commanding the apostles to stop preaching in the name of Christ, uh, bringing his blood upon them, and specific orders are given, do not preach in this name anymore. The apostolic witness is we must obey God rather than men. Right. Amen. So in, in terms of the law of God, Tony is operating well within it. Uh, but in terms of current uh, law that we have in our nation, thank God for the biblical worldview that provided the First Amendment, the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech. So he's operating well within that. And then in terms of where we're at today, in terms of court proceedings and opinions, I'm not saying courts make laws, but courts have already ruled in favor of the First Amendment itself. And the Supreme Court, uh, Saya versus New York, and the Federal Court of Appeals cases that demonstrate clearly, one, you cannot prohibit free speech because the person hearing it finds the message offensive, or two, they can hear it. Right. So yep. those no two things. Veto. Hackler's yeah. veto. So in terms of the law itself, Tony being a police officer, this is a, I'm, you don't have to say anything here, Tony, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, this is a slam against Tony. You should know this. You're a law enforcement officer. That's the point. Yeah. Tony knows exactly. the law. And he's operating well within it. And in terms of what's happening behind those doors, I want to make note of the fact that behind those doors, Planned Parenthoods across the country, 1,000 children lose their lives a day. Now, that means little boys and girls are being uh, disemboweled, decapitated, and then dismembered behind those walls. Mm. And we have a minister of the gospel being uh, persecuted and treated unjustly for the proclamation of the gospel and the offer of help to mothers and fathers who are destroying their children inside. And this man, our brother, is being persecuted. Please share this. Here we go. That the last thing you would do is go back, and not just go back, but is go back and continue to talk in a volume loud enough to cause distress to the people inside. And... You know, you weren't just standing there, I think, with a placard. You were standing there, peering over the bushes, doing it in such a way that you can direct your words towards 
to people in Planned Parenthood, even so far as to try and talk people into not going in. Exactly. Uh, yes, Your Honor. <laughs> that's what freedom of speech is about. Yeah. That's what it's. That's what it's all about. And he's well within his rights to do so. And again, as we said on the radio program itself, uh, Zach, you missed this. Um, that's that's one of the benefits of living in this nation. Thank God for the mm-hmm. biblical worldview. I'm allowed to stand outside of a Walmart. I'm allowed to stand outside of of KFC. <laughs> Someone and could come to church if they wanted. You could stand outside you know, of my like, church. Yeah. And, and, uh, and protest and say, uh, I don't agree with this message. Yeah. I don't think you should go to that church. That's the benefit of freedom of speech. And that judge would probably let them. That, yeah, I'm sure that's and Can I say one thing yeah, real please quick do, about yes. that sounds very similar to what we're facing over here and that the issue seems to be you can speak, you have the right to speak, just not the right to be heard. Mm, right. That's the yeah. distinction that they're drawing the mm. line at is you can talk all you want as long as they don't hear you inside. That's right. Which uh, sort of undoes the whole reason for the First Amendment in the first place. And I'd like to also make note of the fact that I'm sure that the colonists were causing distress to the king in England and to the people in red coats and to the the English who who thought differently. And so you understand there's a context, an historical context to, to the First Amendment itself and the privileges and rights that we have. I shouldn't say privileges, they're rights um, that we have there. And so... Given that, the nature of that, the foundation gives us all that we have today, the foundation for why Tony was operating well within the law. We're going to take a quick break, go over to apologiastudios.com to get the after show to hear more. We'll be right over there. Welcome back, everybody, to Apologia After Show. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for uh, joining us. And uh, if you guys are watching this across social media, of course, we've attached this to the TV program so you guys can see it. And please share the content. Let the world know what happened to Tony um, in court. Uh, so let's just get right back into the discussion here. I'm going to play some more right now. Uh, and this is where it gets even more uh, uh, interesting. I'll use a nice word um, in terms of the judge, I believe, uh, really engaging in a bit of judicial activism here. Mm and telling them that they should turn their lives over to Christ. Um, And, you know, I can appreciate, you know, your attorney's argument that, you know, you didn't use any kind of swear words, you didn't, you know, call anybody, you know, use abusive epithets and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that. You know, people that are going into Planned Parenthood, okay, you don't have to drop an F-bomb or you don't have to call them other curse words as we would know about it. Um, But essentially telling them that they're sinners and that they should seek forgiveness for their sins I could certainly see where that would be equally as offensive to people. So could I. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The problem here is it's not about what he thinks; it's about what the law says. Right. right. And and, yeah. and 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 when I say judicial activism, I, I'm not just throwing that term about just to use shock value um, or to denigrate the man in any way. I mean, truly, this would be a supreme case of judicial activism. He doesn't uh, like Christ, doesn't want Christ, hates the gospel, and he finds it offensive. And he's making his ruling based on the fact that he finds uh, Tony's message distressing because it's offensive, mm-hmm. yep. like cussing them out. 
I just want to make note of the fact that 1 Corinthians, in terms of expectation, we ought to anticipate this sort of a thing. It's still, it's still wrong. It's still unrighteous. It's still evil. So I'm, I'm going to call it what it is, but I'm going to say, of course, we ought to expect it from the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, um, it says, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. By the way, dangerous language for Paul. That's just hey, speech. risky <laughs> language right there for Paul to say the weakness of God and uh, and uh, the foolishness of God, dangerous ground he's treading on. But important to make the point that the world finds the message of the cross uh, a stumbling block. It is folly. It is offensive. And so that's what we ought to anticipate, of course. But um, I'm going to play more, and I'm going to hear from Tony. This is uh, more of uh, judicial activism. I'm not sure I'd put a whole lot of... I'm not sure I distinguish the two necessarily. You know, I, I think some people would rather be called certain curse words than be told that they're a sinner, that they should be forgiveness for whatever they're doing. There's people calling in there for medical care. And there it is. Oh, boy. Who told him he was a sinner? He's clearly got some baggage there. <laughs> and there it is. I, I just want to say um, from my own perspective that mm -hmm. those two moments, the attack on the gospel itself, um, and then that moment where he says there's people going in there for medical care, it demonstrates his position immediately yeah. mm -hmm. in the court of law. He views Planned Parenthood as something that ought to be protected because yeah. they give medical care. Exactly. Um, what we know about Planned Parenthood is that they're murdering children inside. So I don't care what other benefits Auschwitz offered. I don't care if they provided clothing and soup and shelter and beds and jobs. They were still gassing Jews and murdering men, women, and children. And so this judge in a court of law, supposed to be acting justly and ruling on the basis of law, uh, was not doing that in this uh, respect. So anything else you want to say before? I was just going to say, you see how quickly darkness was brought to light. Mm -hmm. Tony dropped the gospel and immediately... He just starts blah, this vomiting the darkness that that's actually behind all this. Right, yep. that's right. The did judge did he like you said he tipped his hand. He sure you did. You could see his his assumptions that he was smuggling right in there. It's a healthcare facility. People go in there for healthcare. It's just an immediate curtain being drawn back. Like, well, we know where you stand. Mm -hmm. And the point is, sure, freedom of speech also protects the judge's right to say, I think it's healthcare. But that's his freedom of speech. He's exercising, right? Mm -hmm. Do I get to punish him now for saying that? Like, do I get to give him 30-day suspended sentence because that's his opinion? That was distressing to me. It's distressing to me to say it's health care. <laughs> right, very good point. Uh, it's distressing to a lot of babies too. Yeah, right. but the point is, is that Tony is well within his rights before God and the thankfully current laws of our nation to stand out there and to call it what it really is. This judge is taking opportunity on a bench to actually give his opinion and exercise his freedom of speech. The only problem is, is he has the power of the state behind him to punish our brother in Christ. Mm. So here's some more. I understand you're there and you're protesting abortion and you're, you've got the right to say what you want and do that. But Pause there. I want to make note of that. Did the same thing in the radio program. You have got the right to say what you want and do that. So... 
We have now as the banner, Tony has the right to say what he wants and to do that. Now watch the judge in the same breath take it away. Also, it can go too far, and that's what the disorderly conduct statute does that. And you can't cause distress. I mean, it's not just people going in there for abortion. So again, I encourage you guys to look up the court cases on this particular issue. Sayo versus New York is a good one. Yeah, Gardner versus CC, Landry versus Daly. Um, those are the two, and there's others too that talk about the specific disorderly conduct, how that can't be used to limit free speech or to restrict it in any way because the First Amendment frequently distresses people. Mm -hmm. And to restrict it would literally make a state speech against the law mm -hmm. is what mm -hmm. the, the ruling itself says, mm -hmm. essentially. So, right. Look it up. So important stuff here. It's already been ruled on. Apparently, this uh, judge doesn't isn't aware of that, and so we're hopeful for the future. But um, I'll just play a few more moments here, and then I want to hear some final words from Tony. They provide other health care to people, and those people should be able to go in there and and not be caused unreasonable distress. But having been, despite having been warned. You kind of believe that your agenda took precedent over that. You know, you weren't just standing out there with a, a placard that said, you know, I mean, you see them all the time in town. You know, there's photographs and there's placards and there's anti-abortion signs. And that's fine. But you put your agenda above everybody else's. Sort of like the judge is doing here. Right. Sort of, sort of like the judge is doing here. And so yeah. ultimately what he's saying is, Tony, you don't have freedom of speech. Shut your mouth, but you can use a picture. Uh, that's, that's what I hear. So. And, you know, that doesn't strike me as being very ministerial at all. <laughs> Oh, it is supremely oh, ministerial, Your Honor. It is supremely yes. ministerial. Because if we're talking about ministering to people and the foundation of what it means to be a minister of the gospel, mm -hmm. then Tony was doing exactly what he's called to do. And we can't neglect the fact that this, the First Amendment says that, that we have freedom not just of um, speech, but the freedom to practice mm -hmm. our religion. And, of course, the Proverbs teach us plainly about how we are to actually um, live in light of the fact that people are being led to the slaughter. Mm -hmm. It's a very important text. If you guys haven't heard it, I encourage you guys to spend time uh, meditating on these passages in terms of Tony being a minister here. What does it mean to be a minister? Proverbs 24, verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. So in terms of freedom of religion, Tony's religion teaches him uh, by command, by the mm -hmm. way, divine command, that Tony is to rescue those who are being taken away to death, to hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. That's a word from God. It's a command from God. Mm -hmm. Tony's going to be a faithful believer. He has to minister in that way. And so in terms of what took place in this trial, Tony was persecuted. Tony was uh, oppressed. Uh, Tony, was, uh, Tony was treated unjustly. And so want to call again on my brothers and sisters in Christ who are watching this, please, please, please 
take a moment just to share this content. Let the world know. Let's let this case get in front of the entire world so we can see what took place mm. here in Iowa. We are committed as a church to continue to put light onto this, to share this, to let everybody know what's going on. This is just a start for us. We want everyone to know what happened here. Tony, uh, give us some final words, brother. Sure. A couple of interesting things about what the judge said. Um, in his commentary regarding me telling people that they're sinners who need Christ, he was drawing from my testimony in the trial and not from the facts of the case. Very good. Huh. Because as I was standing out there, um, I hadn't gotten to the gospel yet. I was simply reading scripture uh, when, when I was stopped by the officers from Iowa City PD. So it was never entered into evidence uh, in, either, uh, in either the state's case or, or our own case that the gospel was proclaimed and that people were told that they were sinners who need to turn to Christ. I, I certainly would have gotten there as wow. I do every day. <laughs> That's right, right. But the, wow. ju but the judge was drawing from wow. what he heard in my testimony. Mm. He was drawing from his own personal offense wow. during the gospel and not from the case in chief. Wow. Uh, also, um, you know, when he said that I was putting my agenda over those in Planned Parenthood, to that I say yes and amen, because my agenda is the Lord's agenda, and that is to love people through the proclamation of the gospel mm. and to love the unborn children enough to do everything I can to try to stop the murder of them and to bring the gospel to those who are murdering them. And so, yes, Your Honor, yes and amen, the agenda I was out there with was far more righteous, far more just, far more holy than the agenda of Planned Parenthood and the agenda of Judge Edward Leff. That's right. Mm. Tony, brother, um, I love you, man, and I appreciate... Uh, I love you, too. Thank all, you for the time. Doing. Thank you yeah. uh, for your love and your support and helping get the word out. I of greatly course. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we're fully committed. Again, sorry about the delay in it. We had uh, our mission trip no, to please, Planet brother. Church no and some other things, but we're in on this. Uh, Tony, can you give us... Um, this would be important. You have had to face injustice and evil, and tyranny in a way. Um, that's, by the way, specific definition of what tyr tyranny is. It's the laws of men. Um, so, and being imposed upon you. As a Christian, as a minister of the gospel now, walk us through your relationship with God in the midst of this persecution. What are you leaning on? What are you standing on? What's, what's this experience been like for you um, as you faced it? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. You know, uh, as you know, Pastor Jeff, this isn't the... This isn't my first brush with the law. Right. Um, it's the uh, first time I've been arrested in the United States, <laughs> but I've been arrested for preaching in London and in Scotland and now in the U.S. And as with the instances in those other countries, uh, I can say with all honesty and candor that I have never had so much peace with God or so much peace from God as I was sitting in that courtroom under trial, um, because I knew why I was there. I, I know that the Word of God says that anyone who seeks to live a godly life will be persecuted. I, I know that God was sovereign um, over the case in chief, over our defense, over the jury, over Judge Leff. I knew he was in complete control, and that if he was going to allow me to experience 
what really amounts to a momentary light affliction, although important, when I compare that to what our brothers and sisters are facing in India and Northern Africa, Asia, South America, how can I not simply rejoice and be glad that the Lord for a moment would count me worthy to suffer for his name? Mm. Um, at the same time, we have plenty of scriptural precedents to appeal to Caesar. Right. To want our case to be heard before Caesar, to assert our rights as citizens. We see that throughout the book of Acts. What I would ask people to pray for, in addition to righting a wrong, in addition to correcting uh, unjust legislation in Iowa and other places, is that the, the Lord would use what's happening in my case and to other brothers and sisters who are likewise being persecuted from, from Arizona to India to England to other places, that the church would rally and ask the Lord to give them more boldness. Yes. Mm. That's, that's, what, that's what the church prayed in Acts chapter 4. They, they didn't pray, Lord, don't let us be persecuted. They didn't pray, Lord, make our life, life easy. They didn't pray, Lord... Please allow us to be accepted by society. They prayed for more boldness to mm. go and do the same. So if you're going to pray for me, pray that the Lord gives me more boldness to do the same and ask the Lord to give you boldness to do likewise. Amen. Amen to that. Wow. All right, Tony, we're going to be praying for you, and I'll be in close contact with you hopefully in the future so we can just get the word out. And and I'm do, and I, and I'm with you, Tony, on all that. We do want to right the wrong. We want justice to prevail for, for really... People around us, if we love our neighbors, we want justice. We want laws that are just, um, that are consistent with God's standards, of, of course. But I think what, what I want more, in the sense before we get there, or if we can get there within our lifetimes, I want that, Tony. I hope that this sparks a movement of yeah. people that will be willing to, uh, to, to bring the truth no matter the circumstances. Amen. No matter the consequences. That's true. And, and so that's what I hope for, brother. So I continue to pray with you for those things. So, Tony, God Thank bless you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. All right, guys. So that was Apologia TV and Apologia's After Show. Again, you guys are watching all of this across social media right now. Normally, this would go on the NRB Network, and it would go, of course, at ApologiaStudios.com. We felt it's very, very important for you guys to get a chance to see this and to hear this content itself. We also did a radio program on this. You guys can get it at apologiastudios.com. Uh, that way, you know, it's more shareable. You guys get people to be able to just place it in their ear and just listen to it or play it in their house. Um, and so we want to get the word out. So please help us to do that. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's what the show's about today. Awesome show. So uh, Luke the Bear. Peace out. And uh, Zach. See ya. Director of Communications and AbortionNow.com. Please go check that out. And uh, thank you to Daniel and Carmen on the background today, doing all the camera work and all the technical stuff. And so God bless you guys. Uh, please be praying for our ministry and, of course, for Tony and his ministry as he continues to face this. And we'll catch you guys next week. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate 
programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Apologiastudios.com. So we just, just let you guys know the benefit of having a studio is you get to kind of run the schedule how you please and go in and out of uh, ministry, counseling, uh, and sometimes stopping a radio program to do the TV program. So we just finished a television program with Tony Miano himself. Uh, we are actually going to post that television program up on across our social media platforms, Facebook and YouTube, so please go check out Apologia Studios on either Facebook or YouTube, catch the episode, and then share it across your social media, let everybody know, and a big thank you, a big, big thank you to all of our All Access partners, Um, the reason that's available for the world to see, and um, it's going to go as far as it does, is because of you, so thank you guys for partnering with us, another benefit of All Access is you make things like that possible. So we're grateful for you. Um, so we wanted to do this uh, episode and let you guys know about Tony's situation, the injustice there. But we also wanted to take an opportunity to do Classic Apologia commentary and respond uh, to a critic. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pull this up right now. So this is from somebody whose channel is called Pine Creek. And am I right, Luke? This guy has at least another, another at least thing on At least one more, yeah. I haven't watched it, but I saw that. The other day. Okay. So uh, this is somebody that I don't know a lot about the guy. didn't actually have time to go through all of his videos to find out what his worldview perspective is. And uh, so I'm assuming, uh, based on some of his commentary, that he's either an atheist or he's an agnostic. Um, clearly uh, not a Christian uh, by any stretch. So the video itself, just to give you a little bit of context and background, if you haven't seen it yet, go check out the video that we did. Uh, it's the Gospel for Mormons. It's been, it's been seen um, uh, by a lot of people. And uh, we do know about people that have come to Christ as a result of watching that video. Uh, it's been shared uh, like an online tract uh, by Christians to their Mormon friends, uh, family, and loved ones. And so that's what that video is. Now, in that video, just a little bit of background, uh, a little fun fact. Uh, we were actually, uh, Pastor Luke and Marcus and myself were on the way to... Um, Moscow. I, uh, Moscow, Idaho, to spend some time with Doug Wilson and the crew out there. And about, I don't know, about three hours or so before our flight was supposed to take off from Phoenix, um, we learned that it was canceled. Uh, and I don't really remember why it was canceled, but it was canceled. And we had to take a different flight mm-hmm. to Salt Lake City. And then we were actually going to be stuck in Salt Lake uh, for the night. And so we ended up on a different flight, last minute change, to Salt Lake City and had to stay the night in Salt Lake City uh, so totally not our plans by any means. Not at all. Not at all. And we ended up late at night in Salt Lake City, and we thought, we're in Salt Lake City. 
We've got a huge ministry to Mormons. We've got to take advantage of those opportunities. So we uh, threw some gear into the car, and we went to uh, the temple in Salt Lake City, went downtown. Uh, streets were completely dead, and it was cold. Cold, cold. It was pretty cold. It was cold. Yeah, I, I was cold. And so you we were cold. I was you cold. sound cold in that video. Yeah, I was cold. <laughs> tell. So it's about, I guess that video is about two in the morning. So if I look like I'm like tired and like sort of chill, it's because I was tired and chilled, literally. <laughs> and uh, so what happened was, is we found a good spot to film this thing. Uh, and I was in the car getting heated up with, he the, was, with yeah. the heat turned way, way on blast. And then I just jumped out of the car and I got in front of the shot. And I, we did the shot for about 12 minutes straight through. And uh, God used that video to bring many people to Jesus and uh, it continues to do so to this day. So praise God for that. Now, that's the background. So that's the video, right? Go check that video out, Gospel for Mormons. Now, this gentleman uh, does a response and he says uh, at the beginning of the video, in this clip, apologist Jeff Durbin pleads with Mormons to accept the truth of Christianity. And what he tries to do is flip the script because he says, I wonder what it would be like if Jeff Durbin were Jewish talking to Christians. So that's the context. That's the background. He plays a little bit of my clips, and then he tries to do sort of a flip of script right. in the other direction. And so what we're going to do is play through this. I'm going to stop it from time to time. If you guys want me to stop it, Marcus in the back, if you want me to stop it, just say so. I will stop it. Let's get some commentary, and here we go. What would it sound like if Jeff Durbin was a Jew pleading with Christians to accept the truth of Judaism? So here's the thing. Mormons often say, but we're Christian too. But why don't you just leave us alone? We're just another denomination. We're, I mean, it's in our name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So here's the thing Christians often say, but we're believers in Yahweh too. Why don't you Jews just leave us alone? We've been grafted in as the new Israel. It's a question. Um, so yes, and uh, there's uh, a particular point here of order I guess you would say, and that's that um, I'm arguing from a fixed point, a fixed point, an objective revelation in history from God. Mm. So that's the context of all this. There's a fixed point, an ultimate foundation. That is the word of God contained in the 66 books and letters of the biblical revelation. Um, and so we have the Old and New Testaments. And so I'm arguing from that fixed point. And I would say also, by the way, I would argue from a Christian perspective from the same fixed point of the Jews. Right. So see, there's the difference that this gentleman doesn't quite understand. I'm arguing from a fixed point, and if you could just, could just follow me here for a second, my fixed point with the Mormons is that is in the scriptures themselves. The Mormons say they believe in that same fixed point. That's what they say. Now with the Jew, I'm arguing from the same fixed point, that Old Testament revelation. That's what I'm arguing from, from on their own ground. Uh, and that's where we want to go with this. So, what God do you worship? Who is God? And how do I come to know God? Mormonism at the very beginning began with a lie. And the lie was that Heavenly Father came to Joseph Smith. It's a question of what God do you worship? Who is Yahweh? And how do I come to know Yahweh? Christianity at the very beginning began with a lie, and the lie was that Yahweh came to the Apostle Paul. Joseph told the world. So doesn't say much uh, on this particular point. I don't know if you want to say something, Daniel, here, but it doesn't say much here, but it's important to note that 
in this particular moment of the video, this gentleman actually says that Yahweh uh, visited the Apostle Paul, which, uh, by the way, that's actually true. Yes, Jesus uh, in Christian theology is Yahweh. And that's uh, going to be a particularly important point to note at the start of this video in terms of his critique, is that Christians believe that Jesus is Yahweh. And uh, again, that's important, and you'll see why in just a moment. Uh, so I'm not sure if you guys have anything to say. Well, I, I think the thing to remember when analyzing something like this is just consistency. The problem with Mormonism is consistency with the Old and New Testaments, and it's just not there. And then this individual will demonstrate his inconsistency in his criticisms of Christianity from a Jewish perspective. Right now, he represents Christianity correctly, saying that Yahweh appeared to Paul. And we know that was Jesus, was the Son of God. And then later, he's going to assume Unitarianism. And so he switches. He's not consistent from one right. point in the video to the next. Yeah. And so that, that's just a, an example. If you're analyzing one of these arguments like this, you have to be consistent. You have to try to see who's being more consistent with their worldview. Right. And I think the important point here to note at the outset is this gentleman doesn't understand Christian theology. Mm. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's what's clear, and, and, and that'll become more and more obvious as we move through this, is that he doesn't really have a good understanding of what Christian theology is. And so what I would say is that it would be important for me as a Christian, because of the worldview that I have, to have integrity in representing somebody's views. So if I was to find out what this man actually believed and to critique his particular worldview, I would want to make sure that I was accurately representing right. his particular position. So when he does a video like this and he just sort of mangles Christian theology, um, I think it demonstrates just really his, uh, his abilities. Um, uh, I'm not sure of his motives exactly, uh, but that's, I think, what's important for us is that we actually have integrity. So in the video when I say that it was a lie, it started with a lie that God the Father appeared to Joseph Smith. First and foremost, there are a number of different First Vision accounts. Uh, not just one. So from the time we start getting first accounts or first visions, I should say first mm -hmm. visions, um, we start seeing different first vision accounts. Uh, the one we have today is the most popular first vision account. And when I call it a lie, I'm calling it a lie based upon the fixed foundation that I'm standing on. That is the scriptures that Mormons say they believe in. Right. They say it's from the same God, but it contradicts right. what that previous revelation actually is. And so when I say it's a lie, it's because Joseph says that God the Father appeared to him, a resurrected God-man, Elohim, and Jesus Christ, a distinct and separate being and person from him, um, and that the Father told Joseph to join none of the churches for they're all wrong, their creeds are an abomination, their professors are corrupt. Um, and he had taught Joseph, according to Joseph's first vision, that the church had fallen away. It had fallen into apostasy, and it was gone and we know from both the Old and New Testament revelation that is an impossibility. From Daniel 7, 13 through 14, uh, to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, to the New Testament accounts, Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, that is not a possibility. So when I say it's a lie, it's based upon that fixed point revelation. It's also something interesting is he assumes Christianity began with Paul. And that's, historically speaking, that's just absurd. Paul, in, the, in Acts, he goes to the, the elders who are already in Jerusalem, Peter, James, John, mm -hmm. all of those right. people are already there. So acting as if Paul comes up with something that those other writers didn't know is just laughable because that, we that have doesn't make writings a good video, from Daniel. them. That doesn't make a good video. <laughs> 
it, it's not quite as, as punchy. It's I guess. not as punchy and fun of a video. Right. Yeah, honestly, I, truth. Yeah, I, I would say I would say we'd want to look to Jesus for right. sort of the beginning of the church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it just demonstrates the burial and resurrection thing. Yeah, the death, burial, resurrection part of it, the story, um, which, by the way, is prophesied in the Old Testament, that fixed point revelation. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't make such a great video. Joseph told the world that God had told him that the Christian church had fallen away and it needed to be restored. And that's just, it's just a lie. And the Apostle Paul told the world that God had told him that Jesus had died for our sins and in faith in him would lead to salvation. That was just a lie. It's a lie because... Well, what's, what's confusing here is that actually if you read Acts chapter 9, the, Apostles Paul, the Apostle Paul's encounter with the Lord Jesus, which of course happened post-ascension, uh, that's death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and post-Pentecost, uh, remind you, he'd, he had been persecuting the church uh, for a long time. He says in Galatians chapter 1 that he actually tried to destroy the church itself, but he actually met with Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. Um, that was who he met with. And yes, Jesus is God, but if we're specifically, if we're trying to be detailed here and actually uh, clear, that's who Paul actually um, mm-hmm. saw, was the risen Christ. It wasn't just that the Father told the Apostle Paul that Jesus had died and rose again. It was right. Jesus, right. the resurrected Lord, that appeared to the Apostle Paul. So he wasn't told by the Father that Jesus raised from the dead. He actually saw That's true. the risen Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you knew Christian theology, you would know that in 1 Corinthians 15, that's actually the argument that the Apostle Paul makes for the resurrection of Jesus, is that Jesus appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses Many of them are still alive to that day. And he says, if you don't believe me, go ask them. And he says, and he appeared to James, to Peter, and to me. And so, again, this just displays more and more and more of this gentleman's uh, really ignorance of Christian theology. Well, and that's, that's a huge difference there between uh, Paul and, and Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith, it was just him in the dark woods by himself. <laughs> you know, but like you said, there's over 500 or whatever. There's a ton of people that Jesus came to and that and were eyewitnesses to that absolutely it's like it's beautiful that god has worked through all these men to give his testimony you know you have new testament writers old testament writers different men different perspectives something like mormonism or uh, you know uh, islam you have one writer who god supposedly appears to no one else sees him they don't get it dictated to them it's not consistent with what god has revealed before and yet the scriptures old and new testament are perfectly consistent with each other different men riding them through the Holy Spirit. That's right. thousand years before Joseph came along with this revelation, God had already said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. It's a lie because a thousand years before Jesus came, Yahweh had already said that he alone is the Savior and there would be no Savior after him. The promise in the old... Oh, very good. Very, very good. Amen. Yes, Yes, and. (laughs) So what's important here is that this gentleman uh, is trying really, really hard to make a compelling and interesting video and to flip the script. And, sir, it just does not work. It just doesn't work at all. I'll read the text that you're quoting from. Isaiah chapter uh, 43, we'll start in verse 10. You, my witnesses, declares the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. No God was formed, nor shall there be after me. Uh, I want to make a quick note here. That's how we know Joseph Smith was a liar. 
because that Old Testament revelation, that fixed point, that foundation that we stand on as well, says that God had no gods before him and none after him. Mm. I am the first and I'm the last. Besides me, there is no God. Um, Joseph says that there were gods before God and you can become one one day. That's how we know he's a liar, sir. Uh, but that next verse that you're pointing to is in verse 11. I, I am Yahweh and besides me, there is no savior. Um, right. And Jesus is Yahweh. Yep. Next. So I, not sure the point you were trying to make there. Perhaps uh, you're confused yourself because at the beginning of this, you actually said that Yahweh appeared to the Apostle Paul. That well, that was Jesus, and so we agree with you. Yeah, it was Yahweh that appeared to Paul, but uh, Jesus and the person of Jesus. Of course, the Bible teaches that the Messiah is Yahweh. We have Isaiah chapter nine verses six through seven. There is only one God according to that Old Testament revelation. And if you read that book, and by the way, you're your, your timing is wrong. It wasn't a thousand years before Christ. It's about 700 years before Christ. So you're off on the time too. Your theology is wrong. Your, your narrative is wrong. Your dates are wrong. Uh, it was only about 700 years before Christ that, I, that in Isaiah, God says that I even I am Yahweh and besides me there is no Savior. But in Isaiah chapter 9, that same book, uh, verses 6 through 7, it says that his son is going to be born a child uh, given to us, and then it says, and he should be called Wonderful Counselor. Those are specific names of God in the Old Testament. And it says, El Gibor, which is the mighty God. Mm -hmm. The mighty God. And if you read uh, from Isaiah chapter 9, and just flip the page, uh, it's in Isaiah chapter 10, uh, just one chapter after it, that God actually says uh, that uh, it says that Yahweh is El Gibor, the mighty God. So, important point here to make, and I hope you don't miss it. If you get a chance to hear this, the person who made this video, if you get a chance to hear this video or this uh, radio program, it's important for you to note that the Old Testament revelation that said there's a, says there's only one God, none before, none after. Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Elohino, Yahweh Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That same Old Testament revelation, long before Jesus comes, about 700 years, says the son who is coming, the child who is coming, is El Gabor, the mighty God. And so Yahweh himself is coming as a son and as a child. Um, and I'm not, we could probably add more to this here, but the Old Testament revelation and the New Testament revelation says that Jesus Christ is Yahweh. One other text to point you to is Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, it's important that you also look, in terms of comparison, to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Because in that, it says very clearly in Isaiah 45, verse 11, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness, wor a righteousness word that shall not return, to me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in Yahweh it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who are incensed against him. In Yahweh, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and see glory. So, shall glory. So, take those two texts together. You see the Apostle Paul is actually flipping the script. And he says that Jesus' name is above every name. 
and that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My point is, is the Apostle Paul takes what Old Testament revelation says about Yahweh and he says that's Jesus. You see the point? So yes. both Old Testament and New Testament revelation clearly teaches that Jesus is Yahweh. Sir, there is no other Savior besides Yahweh. And the Father is Yahweh. Jesus is Yahweh. The Holy Spirit is Yahweh. The three persons, according to biblical revelation and historic confessional Christianity, teaches one God, three eternal, co-equal persons, Father, mm -hmm. Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, Jesus is Yahweh, which is, by the way, what you said at the beginning of this, that Yahweh appeared to Paul. Right. You were right. And here you're conflicted. Which seems to suggest to me that, sir, you really don't know Christian theology or the biblical revelation, and yet you pontificate and try to critique Christians that do. Mm. Old Testament was that the Messiah would come and he would have a kingdom that would never be destroyed, ever. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, and Jesus came and he said that he brought that kingdom. The promise in the Old Testament was that the Messiah would come and he would have a kingdom that would never be destroyed, ever. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, in the Aramaic it says that a mortal, fallible human being would reestablish the house of David, become a human king. And in other scriptures it says that this Messiah would get married and have righteous children who will continue the line after his death. Joseph is just too... Uh... No. <laughs> no. Just conveniently in other places. Yeah, no. So, um. so there, are, um, there are particular prophecies of the Old Testament that are direct, linear, clean-cut prophecies of Messiah, Isaiah 43.10. You've got Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, Isaiah, sorry, 53. Isaiah uh, 42. You've got Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. You've got specific prophecies, as, uh, Psalm uh, 110.00. One Psalm 22, you've got Psalm 72, you've got uh, Malachi ch uh, chapter 3, chapter 5, you've got prophecies that are direct, that are timetable prophecies, linear prophecies, and then of course you do have pattern prophecy, prophecies, pattern prophecies, symbolism that points directly to Jesus in the symbol, but has a deeper meaning behind it, whether it's in the prophet, or sorry, or the priest who goes into the temple, whether you've got Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, actually, it's Day of Atonements, plural. You've also got the temple itself. You've got all of the sacrifices, symbolism, and you've got pattern prophecy. So, for example, you've got Isaiah chapter 7. Um, you've got passages that speak to a virgin uh, having a child, Emmanuel, that had a, a temporal fulfillment in that day, but pointed to a greater reality in the Messiah himself. And so if that's what you're speaking of, um, I think, again, once again, you need to get to know what Christians actually believe right. about prophecy, about the Old Testament. And here's what I would say to you. If you want to take away all of that pattern prophecy, uh, symbolism prophecy, take it all away, let's just go with a direct linear prophecy like Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, that says that it is God, Yahweh himself, who is coming as a child, uh, who is coming as a son, to bring a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Um, I'll just take those. We'll just go with the direct prophecies and not the pattern prophecies. Well, I wanted to point to Zechariah 3 where there's this vision that happens where Joshua the high priest is before God. And it says that the angel of the Lord is standing next to him. 
And it says, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. That's the angel of the Lord speaking, and he's saving Joshua the high priest. So that in and of itself refutes so much of what this guy's saying because it clearly points to the Son of God and Jesus Christ yep. taking away the sin of the world. Right. It's not it distinguishes there between the Father and the Son. Right. And and, and it's important and to note Yahweh. it's important to note that and, and we're gonna bring that up some more in just a second here, because he brings up that point again, mm-hmm. um, that the Old Testament revelation does in fact show a plurality of persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not missing from the Old Testament. It's not fully clear. And it's explained by Jesus, as, as John states in John chapter 1, that Christ explains the Father to us, right? He explains God to us. You do see the angel, the messenger of Yahweh, appear in the Old Testament, and it's clearly God. He's receiving worship. Um, he is taking all of the titles of God. All of that's there. He's the messenger of Yahweh. It's and Yahweh you see, himself. You see a distinction between the angel of the Lord receiving worship and when an angel, not the mm-hmm. Son of God, is worshipped by men, they stopped mm-hmm. the, he stopped them from doing it. That's right. In the book of Revelation specifically, John is so in awe of this vision and this angel, he falls down to worship the angel, and the angel says, no. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, I'm a servant like you, worship God. And yet the messenger of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, receives worship. Right. It's like the difference between God coming and eating with Abraham and then angels coming to Sodom and Gomorrah and meeting with Lot. Mm-hmm. They aren't worshipped. God is worshipped mm. by Abraham. That's right. Yeah, and, and the angel of the Lord appears mm-hmm. uh, with Isaac and Abraham on the mountain. Exactly. And we're going to get to that point in a second here. A thousand years too late. It really is about God. It really is about the gospel. You see, the Bible says in Isaiah 43.10, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. In Isaiah 44.6, I am the first and I am the last. Paul and the Gospel writers are just a thousand years too late. It really is about Yahweh. It really is about the truth. You see the Old Testament, it says in Isaiah 43 verse 10, that Yahweh is Lord. There is no Savior before me, no Savior after me, named Jesus. Yahweh says, No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> so here's the thing. If, if in order to make your point you have to mangle the text of the Bible, it probably isn't a good point. And I say that with all due respect to you and love and humility, but again, you misquoted the text. Isaiah 43.10 says, Before me there was no God formed, and neither shall there be after me. It's Isaiah 43.11 that says, I even I am Yahweh, and besides me there is no Savior. But you had to add words to the text because your point can't be sustained in the text. I am the first and I am the last. And Joseph came with a revelation in the King Follett discourse. He said this, we've imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will take away that idea and take away that and do away the veil so that you may see. He says, you've got to learn to become gods yourselves the same way all gods have done before you. This goes against everything the Bible says about who God is. Paul and the gospel writers came with revelation. Well, let me just, uh, Hang on that point for a moment here. You'll notice that what I'm doing in the video is I'm arguing from that objective revelation, and you notice what I'm doing as a Christian. So you're trying to flip the script here and say, what if a Jew was talking, or Jeff was a Jew talking to Christians? Do you notice the verses I quoted from? Was I quoting from the New Testament Testament. or the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. I was quoting from the Old Testament. 
That's Jewish revelation, my friend. I'm arguing from the point of the Jewish scriptures, the Torah and the Tanakh. That's my fixed point. I get both, the old and new. You see, Christianity is not arguing that it's separate and distinct from that Old Testament revelation. It argues that it is right. a consistent fulfillment of that revelation. And on our own grounds, we say that New Testament revelation cannot contradict Old Testament revelation. Right. But the point of my video to the Mormons is that Mormon revelation contradicts the fixed point it says it's standing on. Uh, however, Christian theology is consistent with Old Testament revelation, which is, by the way, why I was quoting from the Old Testament. Sort of throws away your point, doesn't it? ...described in the New Testament and said this, We've imagined and supposed that Yahweh from all eternity was the only Savior. I will take that idea away. So you see, Paul says you've got to learn Jesus is the Savior and that salvation comes through faith in Him. But this goes against everything the Old Testament says about who Yahweh is. There is only one God. Um, no. No. Uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't uh, at all. And once again, I would point to you that Christian theology has historically taught from the beginning that the Father is Yahweh, Jesus is Yahweh, the Holy Spirit is Yahweh. We believe in one God, three eternal persons. And I, I think that your problem here is you don't understand historic Christian orthodoxy and creedal Christianity, confessional Christianity. Um, I, I'm not getting the impression uh, at all that you understand anything about what Christians actually teach about the Trinity, the triune nature mm -hmm. of God. And I think that that's the fundamental point and error that you're making here. By the way, uh, the Old Testament revelation, Isaiah 53 specifically, does teach uh, that salvation comes through the Messiah, the, the, the servant of the Lord um, who is without sin, who will be counted as one of the rebels who will die, be cut off, and die a violent death for the sins of God's people. For God's people he dies, for their transgressions, it specifically says, and he'll justify the many as he will bear their iniquity. So that Old Testament revelation that I'd be arguing from as a Jew uh, does teach that the Messiah dies for the right. sins of God's people and that you need him for salvation. It actually does teach that. Doesn't seem like you know that, though. The Bible teaches that plainly. And yet the Bible teaches plainly there is only one God, and he eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and he's talking about Jesus, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it says in John chapter 1 that Jesus created everything in existence and without Him nothing's come into being that came into being. That Jesus is God who took on flesh. Yet the Old Testament teaches plainly there is only one God and He does not eternally exist as three persons. The Christian believes the Gospel of John as naively as the Mormon believes in the Book of Mormon. When you witness to a Mormon and chastise them for going against the New Testament, don't you see you're doing the same thing with the Hebrew Bible? This message. No, uh, I don't actually, because our Hebrew Bible, uh, the Torah, opens up with the words, in the beginning mm -hmm. God created the heavens and the earth, and it says the Spirit of God is moving over the face of the waters, hovering over the face of the waters, so the Spirit of God is in the first couple of verses of the Old Testament revelation. In that very same chapter, it says, and then God said, let us create man in our, plural, image, singular. 
And so in the very first chapter of the Bible, you've got God exactly. speaking as a plurality, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us create man in our image, and the Spirit of God is present. Further, I would, of course, want to point you to the fact that, yes, the Old Testament revelation does speak to a plurality of persons. Um, that same book, that Torah, that first book of the Bible, it, this is my point in, in saying that, it, if you had taken the time to understand biblical revelation and Christian thought, you wouldn't have had to have gotten past the first book of the Bible. So it's not like I'm giving you a large homework assignment by saying you must read the entirety of the 39 books of the Old Testament to get this point. How about just Genesis? How about just Genesis, that one book? Because in Genesis chapter 19, uh, verses, uh, verse 24, it says, And Yahweh reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. Interesting, isn't it? The same book that says, let us create man in our plural image, that same book that has the Spirit of God in the first chapter of Genesis, says in Genesis chapter 19 that Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. Yahweh on earth, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, rains down all of this judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah from Yahweh right. out of heaven. That's Genesis 19. You could go further and you could look at Genesis chapter 22. I'm not asking you to go very far. Just stay in that first book of the Bible. Just the first book. We can go throughout the Old Testament revelation, but just the first book in Genesis 22, of course, the famous passage of the sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham is told to go to Mount Moriah a three-day journey to get there, and he goes there, and he says with Isaac, uh, we're going to go to worship the Lord, and the boy and I will return. And then they get there, and Isaac says, of course, where after, of course, the son of his love, his only son, carrying the wood to the mm -hmm. place of the sacrifice, uh, he goes there, and he says, well, here's the fire, here's the wood, but where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide himself for himself, the lamb. Right. The angel of the Lord appears there. And I'm going to read to you this little section where the angel of Yahweh, the messenger, uh, don't be thrown, by the way, by that term, angel. There's angelic beings, creatures, and then there's angel as in messenger. So the messenger of the Lord, the messenger of Yahweh, watch, calls, verse 15, chapter 22, Genesis, to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring. Now, what he says before that, sorry, I read the wrong section there. He says, Abraham, Abraham, verse 11, he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Here's the messenger of Yahweh appearing on Mount Moriah with Abraham and the sacrifice of, of Isaac, which is a symbol, by the way, of Jesus. That's, by the way, where Jesus was sacrificed. The son of God's love carried the wood to the place of the sacrifice. He was the lamb that God promised to provide. You see the symbolism? You see getting ready for the Messiah? It's all right there long before Jesus appears. But the messenger of the Lord shows up and he says, you haven't withheld your only son from me. Isn't it interesting that it was Yahweh that sent Abraham to that place right. to offer a sacrifice to himself. And when the angel of Yahweh appears, another distinct person he says, you haven't withheld your only son from me. Mm. So there's a plurality of persons. That's in the Old Testament revelation. You could, of course, also read in Daniel chapter 7. It's the famous scene that we've already quoted from here, and this gentleman quoted from uh, as well. 
Verses 13 through 14, the son of man who comes up to the ancient of days and presented before him, he's given a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It says in verse nine, Daniel says, as I looked, thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat. So thrones, plural, not singular, thrones, plural, are in this scene with Daniel where the ancient of days, God, takes his seat on the throne and then the son of man ascends, comes up, and he takes his seat to be given a kingdom. Thrones, plural, a plurality of persons. And by the way, this is a worship scene in Daniel chapter 7. So far, far from uh, it not teaching a plurality of persons in the Old Testament, so- um, it certainly does. Yeah. Anything else? I just want to say, it, it seems to me that he, he expects God to reveal himself in a certain way. This, this guy, it, he seems to assume that God is incapable of revealing different amounts of the same truth over a long period of time. As if God had to reveal a systematic theology the first time he ever talked to anybody that contained every single piece of truth, which we know is not the way God has revealed things. So you see this assumption a lot where people assume that God has to reveal everything at once instead of it being an unfolding of truth Mm. over a period of time. Right. And if this gentleman, I can anticipate the argument, and we should always do that, if he says, well, that's what Mormonism is. Mormonism is an availing of of new truth. The, The problem is is that New Testament revelation cannot contradict Old Testament revelation. So if the Apostle Paul or any of the apostles had contradicted what Yahweh said in the Old Testament, you throw them out. Exactly. It's about consistency. Yes, exactly. And the the video um, bringing the gospel to Mormons was to show that they contradict with their very theology what God had already said in that fixed point. Similar to Christianity and terminology, it teaches another Christ, a Christ that cannot save you, It's a different Jesus. It's a Jesus that doesn't have any existence whatsoever. It's a Christ that cannot save. In this message that sounds so similar to Judaism, it teaches another God, a Jesus that cannot save you. It's a different God. It's a God that doesn't have any existence whatsoever. It's a God that cannot save. And Mormonism teaches... Well, no, uh, that's actually not the basis of Christianity. So what you, what you clearly don't understand about the difference between Christianity and Mormonism and Judaism and Christianity is that Christianity says that Jesus is that Old Testament God revealed and here as the Old Testament promised, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, that it was going to be Yahweh himself, the mighty God, the father of eternity that would appear as a son and as a child. Um, you see, Mormonism teaches very, very clearly that there is the church of God and there is the church of the devil. You have Mormon prophets and apostles like Brigham Young, John Taylor, and others uh, teaching very, very clearly uh, that Christianity is essentially full of a bunch of devils. That The devil could have created no better deception than the Christianity of our day is what they taught. Uh, they wanted to make a distinction between Christianity and Mormonism, and they actually taught uh, that when I was preaching the gospel early on at the Mormon temple, they used to call us Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They were the true people of God, and Christians mm-hmm. were the Gentiles. There's a church of God, the Book of Mormon says, and there is a church of the devil. Uh, and so there is no parallel here, because see, Christianity maintains its existence because it says that it is the fulfillment of that Old Testament revelation and consistent with it. Mormonism uh, at least in classic Mormon doctrine, 
Uh, Mormonism has taught that it is actually uh, separate and distinct in many ways, although it will say that it believes that the Bible is the word of God. It says insofar that it is translated correctly, which means in actual practice where it agrees with Mormonism. That's an interesting point. Is like Mormonism would disavow Christianity from the time, basically right after it started, tell Joseph mm -hmm. Smith. Right. But Christians aren't saying that there was no believing Jew at the time when Christ came. In fact, we say the opposite. We know that there were believing Jews who believed that the Messiah would come. God's word didn't fail. And that's the difference is we are saying we are in harmony with what came. And instead, you're saying, Mormons are saying, no, that's not. It's not the case. They believe the Bible is corrupt. Exactly. Yeah. You think this guy's Mormon? Um, I, I, don't, can't, I, I don't, can't figure out where I he's don't trying believe, to come from. He said, and actually, oh, there you go right here. It says, I am not a theist, but I was wondering what it would sound like if, if, Jewish, if a Jewish Jeff Durbin talked oh, to Christians great. in the same way the Christian Jeff Durbin talked to Mormons. So not he's, a theist. He's just so, it's so confusing at times trying to right. figure out what perspective he's coming from. A different Christ a different God. It actually tells people that you can, through obedience to the laws and principles of the gospel, you can move your way through exaltation to become a god or goddess of your own planet. Christianity teaches a different God. It actually tells people that you can, through belief and trust in Jesus, and through his bloody sacrifice, one can become a member of a city lined with streets of gold. And that is the farthest thing from the truth. That Mormonism... <coughs> okay, I'll bite. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 53, uh, that revelation from the Old Testament, um, long before Jesus came, about 700 years, and by the way, we have a scroll of Isaiah from the Dead Sea Scrolls that predates Christ by about 200 years. Uh, Isaiah 53 is in there. And Isaiah 53 very clearly teaches, um, and I, I can't read all of this, but I'll read the important parts that directly refute what you said. Uh, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. By the way, this could not be talking about Israel because Israel is not sinless and Israel cannot take anybody's sins. This is somebody who has taken the sins of God's people. And in order to do that, you must be a lamb without spot or blemish. You must be a sacrifice, innocent for the guilty. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was, and here's the word, cut off out of the land of the living. I believe the word there is olam. Cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although, listen, he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Now, just to prove here that this has to be talking about Messiah himself, the innocent one, Isaiah himself, in Isaiah 6, this very same book, says that when he gets before Yahweh, he covers his mouth. And he says what? Woe is me. I'm undone. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I sit among a people of unclean mm -hmm. lips. And he says what? I'm undone. I'm coming apart at the seams. This same author, Isaiah, says about his own lips that he has deceit in his mouth. But he says about Messiah in Isaiah 53, he is the one who takes the sins of God's people and has no deceit 
in his mouth. And one more portion here, and this is a full refutation of your claim. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When he is so, his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. Verse 8, he's cut off and he dies. And in verse 10, he sees his offspring, he prolongs his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And it says very clearly, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. And it says, therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Sir, with full respect and humility, I'm going to say you demonstrate a lot of ignorance in this video mm -hmm. of the biblical narrative, biblical theology, and systematic theology, and of course, ignorance of historic orthodoxy, creedalism, confessional Christianity. You just don't know what you're talking about. With all of its beauty, with all of the lights, with all the Christian language, really has a message of death, not a message of life. Christianity, with all of its beauty and with all of its attractiveness, with all of its biblical language, really has a message of needless barbaric torture and human sacrifice. It's not a message of life. It's a message of death. To all the Mormons. <laughs> Needless, barbaric torture and human sacrifice. <laughs> you mean like the human sacrifice of the Jewish scriptures, Isaiah 53? Or how about Psalm 22? The passion of the Messiah is put there. Very clearly the death of the Messiah. Very clearly the death of Jesus. So arguing from the Old Testament revelation, no Jew can say consistently that Christianity has a barbaric view of human sacrifice that's unnecessary and is a message of death because guess what? It's that Old Testament revelation that mm. tells us about the human sacrifice of the Messiah. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And so once again, this, this video, though you try to flip the script, sir, with respect, it just doesn't work. That watch this, I want to plead with you to turn to the true and living Christ trust in Christ for salvation and for forgiveness. Come to Christ and not lose faith, but gain life. To all the Christians that may watch this, I want to plead with you to turn to the true and living God. Trust Yahweh alone for salvation. Come to Yahweh and don't lose faith, but gain life. But maybe we should all take a... Well, that's... <laughs> Again, it agrees with everything we're saying. So. That's the message of the <laughs> church. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come to Yahweh for life. Yeah. Come to Jesus for yeah. life. That's the message of the church. Okay, final words here from him, and then we'll, we'll cut the show off. Step back and say, it's okay to doubt. Well, um, your video doesn't uh, create any doubt in me. Actually, no. uh, to be honest, your video only uh, continues to uh, solidify my faith in the Messiah uh, because it is that Old Testament revelation that I stand in to mm -hmm. point people to Jesus. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I'm talking to a Jew, what I commit to when I talk to him 
is I'll commit to not using the New Testament scriptures. Right. Because you accept the Torah and the Tanakh, and I'll only reason from that position uh, to point people to Jesus. So that's actually how I reason with a Jew. That's the kind of uh, path that I take. And um, I think it goes against uh, what your claims are, at least in this video. Final words, gentlemen. Just I feel pity for men who will stand before God. They'll stand before Christ being judged, having said um, how evil the central act in which God glorified himself was. So they, they say the cross was evil, it was barbaric, it was evil torture, and yet this is the central act that God has done to glorify himself. And yet you're calling it evil. I, I pity men like that who have heard the truth and yet suppress it in their unrighteousness. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and you said we're Christians are preaching a, uh, a religion of of death, which is obviously the complete opposite. Because of one death that we have life. Exactly. And that's the point. The Messiah, God himself, Yahweh, coming to take on flesh to live a righteous and sinless life, who has no deceit in his mouth, he's done no violence, who takes the transgressions of God's people, he's pierced through for them, and he justifies the many as he bears their iniquities. Yeah, there is a, a message of death in Christianity that is folly, of course, to the Jews and to the Greeks. It's a stumbling block. I know that it's offensive, but it is through that death that was predetermined by God that God actually brings life mm -hmm. to the world. Jews, Gentiles together into one body, salvation to the ends of the earth. And by the way, that Old Testament revelation clearly teaches. Psalm 22, that passage that talks about human sacrifice, <laughs> that one passage, long before Jesus comes, it says that all the families of the earth will return to worship the Lord as a result of mm. the passion of the Messiah, his being pierced in his hands and his feet, him having dogs surrounding him, wagging their heads, saying, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him if he delights in him. Those people who would cast lots for the clothing of the Messiah. It says that all the families of the earth will return to worship the Lord. Why? Because of this death of the Messiah, because of his resurrection, because of his being ascended to the thrones there in the scene in Daniel 7, taking a seat to have a kingdom that will never be destroyed. You see, that is the message of Judaism, mm -hmm. true Judaism, and the message of Christianity. Hey, isn't it neat how they're the same? <laughs> All right, that's uh, Daniel's son. Adios. Luke the Bear. Peace out. I haven't heard from Marcus King Ginger. I'm he's here. somewhere. Okay, he's in the background. And, of course, uh, myself. I'm Jeff, the Coleman Ninja, and this has been Apologia Radio, episode 200-something. And uh, make sure you guys go check out Apologia Studios on Facebook and YouTube. Share the content with Tony Miano. And also, please take a, take a look at our next episode of Next Week with Jeff Durbin, next Tuesday, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Very special guest. Make sure you guys share that content. God bless you guys. Please pray for Tony. Catch you guys next week. <laughs>